please be standing. Phil Briggs. Good stuff. Thank you. We'll just get the wires tangled from around my feet. Good morning, everybody. Oh, how alive are we in this place today? All right, good morning. Come on, let's make some noise. Who's glad to be in church today? Yeah, who's good to be celebrating God, isn't it? I think we, we, we can make a bit more noise than that. One more time. One, two, three. Come on. Yeah, it's good to be. It's great to be in God's house. And can I just say back to Pastor Barry and Vicky that I'm absolutely privileged and, and honored to be here this morning to share with you, um, just for them to make space for, for me to share on, on which it, what is your platform, really. And so I, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for just investing in me as well and just, just coming alongside us and, and believing in what we do. So thank you so much. And to everybody else, and to Hazel not believing I'm a nice person, how could you? <laughs> I'll tell you about me and Hazel later. <laughs> we got a good banter going on, haven't we? <laughs> But yeah, I've come to share with you this morning about um, local church, actually, and about you, and about me, and about these kids all over the world um, uh, who, who are in compassion pro um, projects. And I'm going to share with, with you a little bit about that, but um, let me start off with um, you. I want you to know this morning that you are a world changer. You are a world changer. And I don't want you to take that with a pinch of salt. I want you to take that with, with a lightness, because you can sit there thinking, well, gosh, you know, what can I do? How can I change anything? And, you know, um, wh what I'm involved with at the moment is, is only small. But, you know, when something's small, um, the ripples are far outreaching. You know, you throw something into the pond and, and it makes a ripple effect and it affects other people and goes out further. I want you to know you're a world changer today here in this place. And, you know, not just um, for, for your own life, but for other people's lives. You're going to change this town. You're going to change Warrington, and right now you're in a new building. This is God's vessel to do something absolutely incredible in this town. I want you to know you're, you, you, you are supposed to be here today. There, there, there is a purpose for you to be in this place right now, and I just want to fully endorse what you're doing here and just say, it's amazing. We, 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 this is to reach people. You know, we get to do this. Isn't it amazing privilege that we get to partner with God and say, hey, God, use me. You know, he's looking for true worshippers all over the world and saying, you know, he's looking for people who are crying out to say, use me, I I'm hungry. You know, and I believe, that I believe that for you guys today, that you are a world changer. There's something significant for you to do in this town and across the world. Amen? Good. Okay. Let me get into this real quick. Because um, I, don't, I don't know many of you, actually. There's some familiar faces, and, uh, which is fantastic. Um, and I, but I want to just get a, a kind of feel of where you're at. So just give me a show of your hands if you, you've actually ever heard of compassion before. Oh, that is amazing. Many people. That's great. Fantastic. Um, does anybody actually sponsor a child through compassion? Fantastic. Brilliant. Anybody sponsor two? No, sometimes it happens. That's okay. I do. Um, now, let me just share with you very briefly about uh, how this has all come about, because Pastor Barry and Vicky um, sponsor a child called Josiah in Kenya. And um, they got in touch with me not so long ago, and the story goes like this, that um, this, this, this child, Josiah, had written to, to Barry and Vicky and, and, and said to them this, that um, you know, they, they told them about how they were doing in the project, but they, 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 they signed the letter off with some really terrible news, which was the father of Josiah had decided to commit suicide. Um, and I'm just going to impart this to you to show you where this is going, because, you know, it's really tragic what happened. He'd been conned out of his money. He was planning to take his family out of the slum area and, uh, and so forth, but he'd been conned out of his money, and the child was very upset about it. Vicky rings me up upset, saying, can I go and see him right now? 
I'm like, oh, I'm not sure it works like that, Pastor Vicky, but, um, you know, let's see what we can do. So what we've decided to do is this, because we were, we were looking at what we could do as a, as a local church. So in Kenya, just one church project. Today, I've got children with me just from one church project near Josiah in Kenya. And I don't know what, I don't know maybe what that looks like for you today, but these kids all come from the same place. And I'm going to share with you a little bit about that later on, okay? Um, So, there's compassion projects all over the world. We've got over 1.8 million children who are sponsored all across the world. 1.8 million. Isn't that amazing? Gosh. And I know um, Pastor Barry's been out to our project in Ethiopia, went out as a VIP on one of our trips and got to meet many of the children out there and, and, and had a great time just seeing what happens out there. But 1.8 million children, but do you know what? That's not enough. And do you know what? Inside this church building today, we're, we're all in a seat today, but it's still not enough. You know, I think I read that um, the, the average traffic through Tesco's um, in a day is 2,500 people. And we as a local church ain't at 2,500 people. I believe we've got we've to step up, step forwards, and, and get out there to be really significant and do something in this town because you're involved. You can change the world for one today. So 1.8 million children sponsored. By 2020, we want to have 4 million children sponsored because every child is precious. Every child is known and cared for. Doesn't, doesn't the Bible tell us that the hairs on our head are numbered? Doesn't it tell us that God knows the intimate details of us, that we were woven together in the womb, that, that, that we're precious, we're known? So isn't it important we give these kids the same level of attention um, that we get from our almighty God? Amazing. So the local church is absolutely crucial. It's part and parcel with what compassion do because we do it in Jesus' name. And we don't step away from that. We don't shy away from it. We, we, we see these children sponsored because we want to give them a hope and a future. We want to give them a hand up and a life, but we want to give them an eternal hope where they know the Lord Jesus, where they know the love of God, where that child can encounter God's presence through just basic one-to-one sponsorship. It's real simple. But over, over the last 12 months, let me tell you this. This is amazing. Last year, over 158,000 children responded to the message of Jesus Christ because of people like you, because of people like me, because of people all over the place sponsoring a child and saying, hey, God, use me. God, I can do this. I can, I've got this resource. I can do this. It's amazing. 158,000, over 158,000 souls. Not just, I mean, you, you can't imagine these kids, can you, right now? But I'm t- they're, re- they're as real as you and me. They're as real as the kids that went outside of this door today. Amazing. But a local church, as Bill Heibel said, is the hope of the world. It's the hope of the world. You're here today because it was a hope to you. Hope, you know? It's, it's funny, isn't it? But the local church is the hope of the world. And all across the world, it is reaching out to people who need to know the message of the gospel. Okay? And across those churches, we partner with over 7,000 of them, which is another incredible number. And we're still looking to grow that further. But we can't do it without you and me. In fact, you know, I look, at, I look at what God's word says. And, you know, sometimes if you're anything like me, you can think, God, why don't you just do it all at once? God, why don't you just, just, just heal a whole neighborhood? Or, or just, just cast your hand over the, over the, over the, the, the town of Warrington, 220,000 people. And why can't they all come to church today and be saved? You know, why doesn't God do it all at once? Well, no. He doesn't, you know, God's word tells us in, in Luke's gospel um, that Jesus is all about the one. He's all about you. He's all about me. He's all about everybody else. You know, we've got the story of the lost sheep. 
and, um, and how that story imparts them. There's 99 of them, but the one goes off wondering. And God's like, I want to chase after that one. That one is as important as everybody else. And, and then, you know, if you, that, that was significant for the time of the day. Is it? It's agricultural. I don't know if you get sheeps and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, you know, also, you know, it goes on to say the next story. If you don't know, if, if, if you don't get with the, with the agricultural stuff, he then gets you with your money. Because he then talks about the lost coin, doesn't he? And he says, what wouldn't you do to try and find that lost coin down the back of your settee where perhaps moldy butties live with your kids? What you might find is you delve into the darkness of the back of the settee to pull out something. You know, but God talks about the lost coin. It's again the one. And then, of course, the lost son. And it says the father's just waiting for him. Hands outstended. Just wanting to welcome him back. Jesus is about the one. And he's about you being prepared to say, God, use me. And step out to do something else. I don't know what that looks, for, for what that looks like for you today. I want to say to you, in your workplace, um, in, in your relationships, in your families, um, in, in your everyday encounters, will you be the one? Will you be the one that says, hey, I go to a great church, you want to come along? Hey, I, I, know, I, know, I know a guy called Jesus, I'm not going to be afraid to say Jesus. I'm going to talk about it, I'm going to change that person's world. It's just having that confidence and, and, and assurance of who you are in God to carry that message. You can do it. Come on. I love the local church. It's just, it's just amazing that we get to do this together. I want to move on from that and just very quickly just run through some stuff to do with compassion. Um, because I think it's important we understand this. If you're anything like me, especially before I started working for compassion, um, my, my perceptions of poverty were a bit obscure. I didn't really get it. I didn't really understand it. I'd seen it on the TV screen. And um, isn't it so easy to change the channel? Isn't it so easy to, I can't deal with that. I, I'm not, I, I've got enough on my plate, I can't deal with that right now. Or isn't it like a case of saying, oh, charities aren't, isn't it just a case of showing a poor, starving African child on the TV just to grab at my emotions because they just want my money? Or I don't actually trust the charity that be, because we hear all sorts of horror stories, don't we, about where does the money actually go? And that's true. You need to be a good steward of your resource and finance. You need to know that where your money goes is good. Um, you need to trust the source it's going into. But I want you to be a bit interactive with me just for a few moments. Is that okay? Yeah? So I'm going to ask you this morning, just put your hand up for me um, if you had breakfast before you came to church this morning. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Shame on you, Hope Church. Shame on you. For those of you who did not put your hands up, don't you know breakfast is the most important meal of the day? I tell you what, my gran used to live with us as, a, as, I, as I was a teenager. If I tried to sneak out of the house without eating my breakfast, she'd leg it after me, super gran, out the door, flapping around a piece of toast. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And, and all my mates would be on the bus driving by, laughing at me, making fun of me. Um, but you know what? I got, I, got me piece of, uh, I got me piece of toast with lemon curd on it or marmite or whatever it was of the day. And it was nice. Let me ask you another question. Who's going to have um, dinner later? Who's, who's got a Sunday roast on the go? Sunday roast? Sandwiches. Are you going by the co-op? Yeah, going out of You're saving yourself. Just by, Sorry, who, who's, who's having Sunday roast today? I'm coming ra- Can I come to Wigan? Only a one-off occasion. Oh, why am I telling you this? Look, I've got to bring some truth to you this morning. And it's going to hurt. It's going to hit hard. 
God, I think it's important that we, we understand where it's at and what it means to you and what it means to them. But today, one out of seven people in the world will not eat a single thing. 98% of those one in seven people live in the developing world. I can't not share that with you. I don't know about you when I've not eaten and it's all I can think about. You know, I'm, I'm hungry and my, brain's, my brain can't concentrate on anything. And goodness knows if I hadn't ate for a long time and what physiologically happens to my body at that point, I don't know. But what if that was your children? What if that was you? What if that was me? What would we do? Where would we look to go to? Where would we find the hope? Where would we find, where would we find the, 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 the ability to change it? I don't know where that lands with you today. Let me ask you another question. Let's see. I hope this is okay. How intelligent this church is. So my question to you this morning is, um, who, like, first one, let me start off with this. Who, who enjoyed going to school? Good grief. Is Warrington that bad a place to go to school in? <laughs> or wherever you come from today? I'll tell you what, let's go for this angle. Who, who likes math, science, <laughs> geography? Okay. Very shy about it. Do you know what? I thought you were the... I th I thought this guy at the back here was the most intelligent person in the room when I, when I came in this morning. Brilliant stuff. I hated maths, science. I just could not get my head around it. So just who liked drama, music, um, PE, all that sort of stuff? I know Pastor Barry and Vicky's daughter um, before was telling me that she likes PE and nothing else. It was like, geez, best subject. <laughs> Eleanor, not you, Sophie, sorry. She went, school's boring. School's totally boring. I said, you must enjoy some subjects. He's like, yeah, PE's okay because they don't talk at you. You can just do what you're doing. And it was funny, you know. Let me make a real quick point to you, right? Whatever you think of the UK education system, we've got one. Whatever you think of the UK education system, right now we get to go for free. And we get to, we get to go and be encouraged and equipped by people who want to invest in us and teach us things that we can grow and develop into whatever God's got called on our lives. But these kids all across the world don't get to go to school because they can't afford to go to school. So not only are they not eating, they're not going to school, they're not learning. It's, it's not good. Let me, let me just impart on you this as well. In the 1980s, Compassion used to say um, that because of, of um, poverty, 45,000 children under the age of five used to die every five seconds. But it's changing because there's hope. There's always hope when you're willing to step out and do something. Because now we're saying, and it's still not good enough, it's still a horrendous number. 17,000 children die a day from poverty. From, from preventable causes. From, from things like malaria. Or, or things that you can get vaccinated from. Let me ask you another question. I'm going to get dead personal with you now. Who had a shower or a wash this morning before they came to church? Oh, they soon went up then, didn't they? So you went up, I tell you what, there's some hands that didn't, either you just don't want to join in or you didn't have a shower, I'm not sure. Do you want to move away? <laughs> you know, it's, it, for me, the first thing I did this morning um, was switch on the kettle and have a cup of coffee and, and I poured cl safe and clean water into my kettle. And isn't it just, I, I take it for granted. I still take it for granted and I've seen it numerous times because it's just in my sight because you and me, we live in the insta inst inst instant generation where we just get to switch something on and it happens. We switch on a light, it comes on, we turn the tap on, safe and clean water comes flowing out. You know, these kids don't have access to safe and clean water over a billion children. 
And what that means is we're dying from things like diarrhea. I can't not share that with you today. I can't not share it with you. It's tough to heal, I know. But you know, it is changing, like I said to you. It is changing. And I wonder where that sits with you today. Um, let me just finish real quick with this. If you earn £7,500, you're in the top earners in the world. If you earn £23,000, wait for this, you're going to be amazed. You're in the top 1% earners in the world. That's mind-boggling, isn't it? Now, I don't know, I don't know if there's any millionaires in the room, but I, I know I'm not, uh, I'm not. But I'm in the top 1% of earners. You know, for me, this is how it sits. These kids weren't... They didn't, they didn't choose to be born into the post hole they're born into. I didn't choose to be born into the post hole I'm born into, but don't we have a blessed life? Don't we have resource and, and stuff around us? So I'm just going to leave that with you there. And I just want to, just before I move forward, just, if we could just invite Tossie up, my colleague from Compassion. Do you want to join me, Tossie? And we've got some stools to sit on here, which is great. So... Uh, have you got a mic there? Um, Tossie is, is um, one of our formerly sponsored graduates from Compassion. Um, and he's from Kenya. And um, he's here today to share some of his story with you in terms of his journey, how Compassion works. And I'm sure you'll be very interested to hear, you know, what God's done in his life and, and w what's happened along the way. So um, why don't you just tell him a bit about yourself, Tossie, to start with. Praise God. My name is Tossie. I'm from originally from Kenya. I live in Nottingham. To one wife, God has blessed us with two kids, Florence and Joseph. It's, it's good to clarify how many wives you got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, thank you for the, it was an incredible worship this morning. As you guys are worship, the presence of the Lord went in this place. Thank you, Pastor Tempe, the one who comes. Thank you for your hospitality. Welcome. Thank God for that. Amen. Tossie, um, you, you grew up in, in, in the slums of, uh, of Kenya. Correct. Why don't, you, why don't you start to tell everybody what life was actually like for you growing up? Uh, I grew up in Kenya, in Madara slums, and uh, we used to share a single room. Me, my father, and my brother and my sister, just a single room. It used to be our bedroom. It used to be our sitting room. It used to be our kitchen, and uh, it was so terrible. I remember the time I was five years old. And one day I woke up in the morning outside our doors. There was a child who was, uh, I think there was a girl who aborted the child. And the child was left on our door. Um, and I remember when I was six years old again, I just woke up in the morning, found somebody has been stabbed and is dead outside our door. So in Madare slums, that was life every day. It became normal. And also even to have like shower, we used to pay like uh, 50p, but my parents could not afford even to give us 50p to go and have a shower. We used to use one toilet, like more than 100 people. So in the morning, we used to go and queue for you to use the toilet. And outside our house, there was a sewage passing through it. And when it was, sometimes there was rain, it flooded outside the sewage and sometimes it used to come inside our house. So sometimes we had to go and and uh, to 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 our aunties who were well off, and we used to go and sleep there for a few days and then come back. And also the house we were living was um, a house of iron sheets, 
and it had some holes. When it was raining, sometimes we used to put buckets un under the roof so that the water, when it rains, the water just goes to the buckets. Because we used to share one room, me, my brother, my sister, my father, and my mom. So they used to have one bed. We used to sleep on the floor. So that was the life in Mathare. And also, sometimes we used to go without food for a few days because my parents could not even afford even to give us a meal every day. So sometimes we used to go even to the neighbors or go to the town center to borrow money to buy food. So that was the life in Madare. And also even to get uh, clean water, it wasn't possible because we, used, we were forced to buy even clean water from town centers anyway because the water there was contaminated. So sometimes uh, there was like cholera flowing up. I remember I lost two friends of mine, Peter and John, with cholera because they were infected. There was no money to take them to hospital, and they had to die. That was life in Madara. So we have said this much. Even that, I know, I know. Um, why don't you, why don't you inspire us all, uh, Tossie, and tell us what changed? What changed to bring things around for you? Uh, I remember this was back in 1993. It was June. I remember the date was on 20th. It was on a Saturday, and some friends of my mom they came. They were just neighbors, and we were talking outside our door. And they told my mom, we have a local church. It was called Redeemed Gospel Church in Madar Slums. And Compassion had partnership with them, and they were sponsoring kids. And my mom heard them, they, our neighbors, talking about uh, there is this Compassion International, which is linking up with the Redeemed Gospel Church to sponsor kids. And uh, tomorrow, they need like 300 kids to be sponsored. So the following uh, Sunday, we went for church. We had normal service as usual. Then after that, uh, there was a somebody from Colorado, U.S., who came to speak about compassion, and they, were, they, they wanted to, re, um, to sponsor more than 300 kids from Madar Islams. So I got that opportunity. Uh, I was taking pictures, and after three to four months, I got a sponsor from U.S., Texas. And he was called Mr. and Mrs. Johnson. I still remember them. And I thank God for them. And that's where my life started changing because I started now. My parents could not afford even to take me to school. So through compassion, uh, I was able to go through primary education, secondary education, uh, went to college. And every Saturday, we used to have like Saturday club where they used to teach us uh, the Bible. And I remember after I got my sponsor, he sent a letter to me. And I remember this. And he quoted uh, in, in Jeremiah 29, 11. And he said, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you future and hope. And still I stand with that verse until today. And I remember also he, he quoted in Numbers 23, 11, And he said, God is not a man that he should lie. Is not a man that shall change his mind, but each and every word you have spoken in your life shall come to pass. Come yeah, on. so those were my, my inspiring verses in the Bible. So we used to go to Saturday club in, in Redeemed Gospel Church. We used to be taught the word of God. We used to have music. We used to have drama. And uh, through that, I learned to play the keyboard. And sometimes I used even to teach the kids there how to play the keyboard in Madaris. Um, in Mother Islams. So that was my turnaround after I got my sponsor, uh, educating me from primary school, high school, to college.
college. Amazing. That is so good, isn't it? Alex? Real transformational change because of Jesus, because of you, because of me and, and, and Mr. and Mrs. Johnson. You know, I took, how important was the letter exchange between you and, and his sponsors? The letter was uh, so inspiring because getting from Madar Slams, getting a letter from US, it was, it was something incredible yeah. for me because getting a letter, somebody uh, send you pictures with these dogs, with these grandchildren, it was so inspiring. And I just kept on praying and I said, one day I must make it in, uh, in Europe or in US anyway. So we used to pray about that, me and my father, my mother and my brother and my sister anyway. So it was so, so good receiving those letters, hearing from them, they're saying there's winter. I didn't understand what's winter. <laughs> it's summer because it got only rainy season in, in Kenya anyway. So it was, it was a life uh, transforming for me to get the letters and also to get some gifts uh, like in December or Easter holidays there. Yeah, it was incredible for me. Why don't you just tell them real quick, Tossie, what does life look, for you, look like for you now? Uh, I remember the time I finished, I was graduate after 21 years with graduate from Compassion, had gone through college and um, <laughs> and uh, I was praying and uh, this uh, LL Ministries, which is based in, um, in um, Brighton, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, um, a Christian organization. They wanted people to come and volunteer to UK. And by God's grace, I applied and I was taken. They, um, I had to pay for my air ticket. So I, I had to do fundraising anyway to come to UK. So I came to that organization. They were giving us food and everything. They used to, to cater for everything anyway. Volunteered there for one year. I learned also the Bible. I used to serve people there. I used to have to love serving. And after that, after one year, one of my friends uh, is called uh, John, and he said, you know, you can apply. You really like um, going to the gym, fitness things. You can apply to join the British Army. And I said, yeah, I'm interested to join the British Army. So I applied. By God's grace, I was taken, got in the British Army, served for five years, just resigned last year as a, as, as a Lance Corporal. I've deployed to Falklands, Kenya, Canada, all over the world. And um, that was life for me. Then I resigned last year. I went back to do what God has called me to do. I'm doing BA in theology in Canterbury Christ Church University. So that's my life. They, and also I work with uh, city council in Derbyshire. And I normally work as a um, residential children's worker. And also we have started our own company called TNG Resourcing. And we, we are looking to recruit more than 100 people to work for us supporting those kids in Derbyshire Council. Why don't we just give that a round of applause? That is amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tossie. I mean, I, was, I hope that inspires you, that things can change. I hope that inspires you that from the, from the pits of despair, that things can turn around and change so quickly. Um, and that's not just for, for Tossie, but for many children all over the world and for you as well. You know, and it's important. Let me just read to you from the Bible real quick. Um, if you've got a Bible, if you turn to Luke 10, 25. Um, now, this is not going to be a story that's not unfamiliar to you. Um, in fact, if, if, if you were to, to get Netflix out, it's probably uh, 
heavenly Netflix or whatever, you know, you'd probably find it in the top 10, you know, movies of all time. I don't know. But um, let me read to you from this account. It says, one day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And he goes for the big one, doesn't he? He doesn't start small. <laughs> Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? That's interesting, isn't it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's quite a list, isn't it? You know, it's quite a heavy expectation to, to, to step up to. But, you know, it says this, right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. Dead simple. Like Jesus ain't mincing his words here. He's saying, this is how it is. This is what you need to do. You've asked me a question. This is what you need to do. But a man wanted to justify his actions. Ever wanted to justify what you're doing? Ever wanted to say, God, no, I don't have to do that. God, I'm going to, sh- no, someone else will do that. Um, that's not for me. Um, you know, but the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. By chance. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road. And passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there. But he also passed by on the other side of the road. Then a despised Samaritan came along. Despised is not a very nice word, is it? Imagine someone saying a despised Warringtonian. A despised Liverpudlian. I don't know. It's not a nice word, is it? But when he saw the man there, he he felt compassion for him. And going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Gosh. Now, which one of the three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Let's just have a quick look at these three characters before I finish here today. Because I just want to place my feet in the shoes of these guys in this story. I know we all know it really well, but let's have a real look at these people. You know, by chance a priest came along. You know, and we we all laughed at that moment because we identified with it. Hang on a minute, let's be honest, and I'm being vulnerable with you here as well. Sometimes that's me. Sometimes I have to just check myself as I'm walking through Warrington Town Centre saying that that homeless guy there that's there every day, I need to go and speak to him. I need to stop by and maybe I need to give him some money. And I don't know where you sit with that. Maybe we're at different points. Maybe you think, no, I don't know what he's going to spend that on. Or maybe you just want to have a cheerful giving heart and you say, you know what, God, I just want you to breathe into this man's life today. Where does that resonate with you today? I wonder what, as we go to work tomorrow or school or, or college or whatever, you know, you're on your way somewhere. This, this guy that got beat up was on his way somewhere. Ever, got, ever felt like you need help or got beat up? Ever needed help and just to, just to be able to cry out to somebody else and say, can you just help me right now? I need a helping hand. And this priest character um, comes along and he doesn't help you think he's the religious man. He's the guy from 
from down the road at, at Hope Church, Warrington, and he's the guy that's going to help, you know? But he doesn't, as the story goes. In fact, he crosses over to the other side of the road, and, and he completely blanks the situation. I wonder what he's thinking. I wonder he's thinking, I'm too important. I've got too much stuff on. I've got, I've got the whole temple to look after. Um, I've got all these people to fit in. You know, it becomes almost ritualistic, doesn't it? But the, the temple assistant then comes along, doesn't he? And, you know, he doesn't even bother to cross the road. He just, he's just like, see you later. Because actually in, in, in these times, um, you know, he would have been ritually spruced up in all the perfumes and wines of the day. He'd have been ritually prepared for cer- ceremony and all that sort of stuff. And if he gets involved in this situation right now, he's going he's gonna to be unclean. And how about you? Again, in your everyday life, in, in your everyday walk, you know, if you... It, I, I think this temple assistant was having a look around thinking, what if everybody else sees what I'm doing? What if, everybody, what if, what if all the other Jews see that I'm about to help out? You know, because they'll have an opinion then and they'll think something. And, and um, I, if I just lean in here and get my hands dirty, I'm going to get blood on them. I can't do that. That will break my ritual. Again, I'm being vulnerable with you. I, 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 this is a daily challenge. I have to stop. I have to break my routine to help somebody else. I have to be willing for God to stop my time so that I can invest some time in somebody else. Here in Warrington right now and all across the world. But the next guy, you, 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 could, you could almost forgive this guy, couldn't you, for not stopping, the despised Samaritan. Because everybody hated him. Jews and Samaritans, it's like head to head. Warrington Wigan, no? I'm just saying. <laughs> Jews and Samaritans. They hated each other. So you, can, you could just sort of say, you know, I understand that guy passing by, but this really speaks out to me. Because as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a Christian, I am called to make a difference. Are you called to make a difference here today? You know, because this Samaritan comes into the place of somebody that should have helped and he doesn't even have that faith. I don't want to be that person that loses out to, to bless somebody. I don't want to be that person to, to, to lose out. So this Samaritan, he, he gets down, he bandages the oils and winds around his neck. Well, you could ask a question at this point. You could say, do you know what? Has he done, I've done my bit now. I've done enough. I've, I've soothed his wounds. Somebody else will now take the rest of the, the job on because I've got to be somewhere. I've got to be at work as well. I've got to get somewhere. But he doesn't. The story tells us he puts his man on the donkey so everybody can see now. This is a big visual cultural statement and he's got the man on his donkey everybody can see and he takes him to the inn and he goes, I've not just done his time now. Let's hand him his pocket and he's gone. There's some money. There's a significant investment. You know what? Take care of this man. And actually, if the bill runs higher than this, I will come back and take care of the rest of it. Isn't that generosity overflowing? You know, Proverbs tells me the world of the generous gets larger and larger. You know, it tells me to be a cheerful giver. and I, I want to be that person. I don't know about you. How does that land with you today? Do you want to be a person who blesses beyond overflow? Because <coughs> it tells us, press down, shake it together. You know the Bible verse that we can, we can receive back. And it's not about having a heart to receive back. But God promises, test me in giving. Amazing. We've just heard the story of, of, of the Tossie and, and, and his amazing journey because somebody chose to invest in his life. Let me tell you real quick. Um, I've also been to Ethiopia where, where Pastor Barry has been. And, you know, I remembered this lady. Um, we'd, we'd gone through the, 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 the chalets and, and, and the slum area. And, and I was greeted by these three beautiful, amazing kids. 
And, and um, this, this old lady came to the door just behind them, and, and she welcomed me into a home. And I walked into the home, and there was just an old mattress on the floor. There wasn't much else. And she insisted that I took seat of honor in her house. Well, this lady was 73 years old. It was baking hot. And this lady worked every single day to keep this tin hut over the, over the roof. And, and she kissed me on the cheek. She hugged me. And she said, thank you so much for what you do. Without you, I don't know what we would do. Now, that wasn't for me. I was just the face of you or the face of somebody else just, just um, stepping by. But I know through one-to-one sponsorship that this stuff really works. I've got Valentine here, Princess, and they're both from Kenya, both in the, the same project, four and five years old. And it tells me a little bit about princess in here. It tells me that um, the closest major city is Nairobi in Kenya, and um, there's about 12,000 people that live in her village. That's a lot of people. Um, and, and the most common thing she does every day is animal herding and day labor. Her house is made of wood, and the, the, the walls are made of mud and earth and clay and all that sort of stuff, and tells you a bit about her diet. She likes playing group games and hide and seek. Isn't that amazing? I want you to look beyond this right now because this looks like a very, this looks like a very marketable product. It looks very nice. Compassion have made it look nice, and um, you know, because in the Western world we we kind of need to do these things for some reason. You know, we we have to have the fanciest car or the fanciest house, or we have to make things look pretty and nice because we need it visually for our just our Western culture. But here, um, they don't have stuff like this. In fact, you go to the local church over in Ethiopia or Kenya, wherever, and you won't see the name Compassion. You'll just see the local church. And these kids are just waiting for somebody to sponsor them. What it costs is it costs 25 pounds a month. Now that for some people is a heavy investment. 25 pounds a month might be a lot of money to you. I know it was to me when I first sponsored my first child. But you know, I sponsored Miriam, who's now 14. And the letter I got back from the last time said this. She said, I'm doing great in school. I'm top of my class, she tells me, much cleverer than me. And um, she t- told me I'm leading youth ministry in church. Isn't that amazing? That, um, she, that she's praying for me. That she loves me. When am I going to see you, she said. Your loving daughter, Miriam. But when I sponsored my second child, I went, what do I spend 25 pounds a month on? What do I spend 83 Peter Day on? Do you know what it worked out to be? A can of Coke. A, a Mars bar. Yeah, I like sweet things, you know what I mean? And, uh, or maybe it's, a, it's, it's, it's a, a takeaway once a month. Maybe, maybe there's a direct debit going out of your bank account that, you know, you just don't, you don't notice it. And you, you go, what's that all about? You ever do that? You look at something and it's gone out of your account. Like, what's that? You know, I, let me just come back to this story as I finish because the priest represented religion the levite or temple assistant for me represented ritual samaritan represents relationship 
That as you step into a relationship and write and inspire with words that say, I love you, I care for you, I'm praying for you, I believe for you. Tossie, you're going to be in the British Army one day. Tossie, you're going to do whatever it is that you have on your life. That as you speak words of affirmation into a place that's broken, it changes, it changes them from the inside out. As they get to know the Lord Jesus, it changes them inside out. You are growing up a generation of people who are going to change their nation. And you same here at church, you're going to change this town as you grow up people to step into the presence of Jesus. I wonder what that looks like for you today. I've, Pastor Barry said before, you, you, I've come here to, to encourage you. Hopefully it's inspiring for you. But I wonder where this lands with you right now. I'm just going to create an opportunity right now. And this isn't for you to feel pity, okay? I don't want anybody to sponsor here today if you feel pity. Because I'll tell you why, pity doesn't carry it. It doesn't have the legs to move it forward and you'll go home today and you'll forget about it. And you'll, you, you, you won't do anything about it. But you see, when you allow compassion to swell up inside your soul, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, then it gets moving and it gets legs on it. And I believe you are the wheels in motion here today, that you can do something significant in this town and here today. So if, if you would like the opportunity to sponsor a child, I just want to give you the opportunity now that there's not a big pile of people at the table as I'm hoping for, you know. I wonder if that's you today. If that's you, why don't you just put your hand up and someone can get a profile to you. Thank you so much. There's a team around the building. There's two here. Patty's at the front. Brilliant. Thank you so much. There's a lady here and a lady here. And Tony at the back. God bless you. Thank you so much. Is there anybody else? There's a lady here that's not been given one yet. Thank you. I'm sorry, I don't know your name. I'll get to know it in a, in a short while. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Is there anybody else just before I finish? That's fine. If I could just ask for those of you that have got a form... Um, these are real children in real lives, so do fill them out and bring them straight back to me. Please do not go home with them, because that means they'll, get, they'll, they'll go out the system for four weeks, and I need to get these kids sponsored. I need to see them set up and going into, into the promise that God's got for them. I'm just going to finish here. Pa Pastor Barry, do you want to come up with me? Yeah? Okay. Um, unless Phil wa Phil wants to say anything else, I just want to say one thing. This is uh, bringing Phil in and bringing compassion in is not something that we've just done as a whim or something that we've not thought about and we've not planned. Uh, as Phil's already mentioned, back in uh, end of November, beginning of December last year, I went out to Ethiopia uh, to Addis Ababa to go and see what the work that they do there at Compassion, and and literally the story that he was talking about. Uh, in fact, uh, 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 Tossie, um, he, where he grew up, I, I saw as, as he's talking, I've got a picture in my mind of, of one of the last families that we went to see, and they lived in, in that house. There was literally an open <coughs> sewer running next to it. Uh, they never mentioned about the flooding, but obviously that's going to happen. You know, you get heavy rains, that's going to happen, that's going to be the case. We saw situation after situation after situation of this. And, and I could give you story upon story upon story of tragedy and all of this. But what we also saw, which is perhaps even maybe more important, was we saw the work that Compassion do do. And we saw the churches that Compassion work with. Phil touched on the point that you don't see Compassion signs all over the place. But this is not about the name of Compassion. This is not about building Compassion or their ministry or another para ministry. The local church is vital. Yeah. 
the local church is vital. Without this church, these children would not be getting, be getting sponsored because we wouldn't all be here to hear this message to go out and sponsor them. Without the churches in those local communities in Addis and Kenya and all around the world, it's not just in Africa. I know they're in Asia and South America. That's right, China. isn't it? Uh, they're all over the world in the <laughs> Far East as well. Um, wi without the local churches in there, Compassion don't get involved. They mix with local churches. We met with the pastors, and, and I'm sat there with the pastors, and, and we, we're a, a, a blessed church. We're a, a prosperous church. We're in a prosperous town, in a prosperous country. So we, we, in one sense, we can say we struggle for money, but in reality, in the grand scheme of things, we don't, do we? Let's be honest about it. We don't have to worry about turning the lights on. We don't have to worry about the heating or having chairs to sit on or floods coming in through the, the ceiling and things like that. But these churches are sat there with the pastors listening to their stories and what they're doing and listening to their heart. And I was humbled. I was humbled. I, I actually thought to myself, I, I, when I get to, to heaven and when we're there, and, and the pecking order won't be like it is today, guys. Do you all understand that? It's not going to be like it is today. I just thought, I can imagine if there's a list of pastors, not that it's about pastors and everything, but I thought I'm going to be like kind of down there at the bottom. And these guys who are, who are in these places, they're going to be right at the top. I'm going to be honoring them in heaven. I'm going to be kind of, you know, capping about, uh, you, know, you know what I mean, to them in heaven. And, and Compassion are doing genuinely a great work. They're, they're supporting churches. And, uh, and so please let me encourage you. Uh, we, I wanted to put my hand up straight away to say we'd take a child. And I, I did it for two reasons. Number one, I'd be quite happy to do it in secret because that's the, the preferred thing actually uh, as, as far as God says. But actually I want you all to see that the, we're happy to take on more children because I know the reality of it. Like Phil said, sometimes there are ways and means we do things in the West and stuff like that. But I want you guys to see that we're not just bringing Phil in. This is not just a chance occurrence or anything like that. This is something that we've planned, we've thought about. We believe it's going to be a really good thing for the church to be involved in. We know that Compassion are a good organization. Ethically, they're sound in what they do and how they go about the business and, and what they, you know, and all the stuff they're getting involved in. We've seen the work, we've researched it. If we're going to get involved in something as a church, something else, that we're obviously involved in other things, but if there's something else we're going to get involved in, Compassion is a great organization to get involved in. And really, this very different to some of the other things we do as a church. Some of the other stuff we do as a church, we give from the church accounts and those kind of things, and it's something that we do as a church. This is more about us as a congregation individually saying, okay, I, I'll, I'll take a child. I'll do that. It's not about taking from what you already give, but it's about giving more. It's actually about giving more. That's where the challenge is. It's about giving more. Don't do this if you're going to go, well, I'll take from something else and I'll give there. Do this because you want to give more, because you want to extend your giving and you're at that place. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very thank much. You, yeah. So um, thank you so much. If you sponsored a child today, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. You're really changing the world of a child. If you're still thinking about it, come and speak to me at the table in the, in the cafe at the back, which Catherine's decorated and uh, so beautifully, and she nearly killed me for moving a couple of tables before. But it's, it's a good thing to do. So thank you so much. Here's something else just to think about um, as we finish. You know, um, as part of my role, I take out churches to see the kids. Um, and actually, I'm going out at the end of this month to Rwanda with a church called Hope um, up, in, up in the far north. And they're going to go and visit their sponsored children. 
it's just something for the future, maybe to think about, maybe it's on your heart. We've talked about this week, past is Valley of the Victory. I, I believe there'll be something significant that happens from here. So can I just pray with you as we end it? You might choose to bow your head if, if you want to. Um, I'd love to just pray over you right now. Father God, I, I thank you that you are the King of Kings. Lord, I thank you that you are our Heavenly Father. And, and Lord, you're over every situation in this room right now. God, that you know the intimate details of our lives. You know, you know exactly where we're at. You know our hearts, the very inside of all our hopes and dreams. God, you know, um, you, you know some of us today are maybe looking for um, our finances to be better. Lord, maybe some people are looking for, for relational healing or something like that. But God, I, I just pray you rush into every heart right now. And God, that you would speak to the, to the, to the deepest part of us, Lord, that, that, that you love us, you care for us, you're for us. God, that you love us so much that you send your only son, Jesus, to die for us. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for generous hearts and spirits overflowing. God, I pray you bless them. Um, I pray, you, pray that you, um, you, you, know, you really overflow in those situations, God. Lord, I thank you for every precious child that's been sponsored here today and is still to be sponsored. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship, shall we, guys? <laughs>